The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. I was going to talk about something. Is there something to talk about? Is there news? Do you have news? Is there news? Is there something to talk news? Yeah, I don't know. Is there? Buddy, I, I, what are we even doing? What are we even doing here? Come on. You know there's news. There's a lot of news. There's news that is potential, partially formed, primordial SOCON news. And also there is news of a familiar name in the SOCON coaching ranks. Let's just get right to that, shall we? I'm Keith, he's Jay, this is Jay and Keith, and Trey Lamb is the new head coach of the ETSU Buccaneers. Yes, and that was, you know, it's one of the names that I think fans had identified. Usually it doesn't work out that way, right? Well, I mean, you know how many fan bases wanted John Gruden to be their head coach. There are fan bases that still want John Gruden to be their head coach. We're getting Gruden. But the accent's a little different now. We're getting Gruden. True, but still to the point. But, yeah, like you you really just dream it up. Yeah. Trey Lane was my number one guy. It was. You You know, I I had a conversation with Mark Hutzel about it after the change was made. Like, we should look at Trey Lamb. And I said, I'm not sure we can – would he take it? Would he do this? He's already got this thing going at Gardner-Webb. Would he jump to ETSU? And um, the answer was very clearly yes, because he is now the head coach of ETSU football, the 20th coach in program history. Um, immediately, was the, literally the dream choice for me. Uh, I'm super fired up that he's here. It is a little surreal to have a Division One head football coach that's about the same age as me, but uh, it's – Phenomenal that he's here. I'm excited. Uh, somebody who doesn't just have head coaching experience, who doesn't just have successful head coaching experience. He went 10 and one in conference play the last two years and won two conference titles. Uh, but also somebody who has experience recruiting in a modern environment and recruiting the transfer portal. If you look at Gardner Webb's roster, it is very extensive with transfer portal talent and players that were difference makers out of the transfer portal while also still having players recruited out of the high school scene in North Carolina uh, that are impactful players or were impactful players for them during this 2023 championship run that ended on Saturday in the first round of the FCS playoffs. But back-to-back postseason appearances for the first time in program history – um, you know, he was what? Fourteen. I think he was fourteen and ten the last two years, but that includes a ton of FBS games because he had to make budget. This guy is an outstanding hire, and it's a statement of intent from uh, Doc Sander and from Dr. Brian Nolan that if you thought ETSU was going to kick its feet up now that football was back and just let this thing go where it goes uh, you got another thing coming that a lot of people around here um, even if if people love basketball this is not 
this is not a basketball uberalis school. This is a yes and. Uh, we're, we want to be good at athletics, and we particularly want to be good at the flagship sports, and that includes this football program that has tasted really unprecedented success under Randy Sanders. They won two titles in four years, and they won one SOCON title in the previous 40. Is that right? Cavan won it in 96? No, he didn't win it. That's right. It was an at-large. So, yeah. Mark Marshall was undefeated national champion. Yes, that's right. That's right. Because ETSU went to Montana. And Marshall was the, was the team 2018 that, was the first ever share of a Southern Conference title. 21 was the first ever outright. So, tasted truly unprecedented success in the SOCON era of the program. Um, and now they want more. And I think Trey Lamb is a guy that can absolutely deliver for them. So, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Dr. Nolan is a basketball guy, right? Yes or no? I don't know why you're hesitating. He would tell you he's a basketball guy. He's both. No, he's a basketball guy. I think he's both. He's a basketball guy. Number one, he'll tell you he knows basketball. He's basketball first and foremost. Now, where I'll follow that up with where you're going with this is he stuck his name and reputation on starting football. Yes. So do you think he wants football to be successful? Yes. Absolutely. It's not, it's not an either-or thing at ETSU. It's a yes-and thing. It's I a both-and thing. there's no doubt ETSU has been known for hoops. And that's not even debatable what it was known for. And no offense to J.K. Mose and some of these other coaches in tennis and everything have been successful. But on the national scale of things, right, it is basketball. Right. And proven by the fact that football wasn't here for a while. But then Dr. Nolan came in, and he saw the community was hurting, and he's like, all right, I think the biggest kind of hurdle in this coaching cycle was, I think, the biggest question. And the only reason I say this is because I'm in a weird, unique situation. I've been here long enough. I, I know a lot of people, and people know me. So there are times people will try to get information from me to somebody else, whether that's Dr. Nolan, whether it's Dr. Sander, whether it's whoever's in charge of whatever, and agents, coaches, coaches, um, assistants, heads, all that. A lot of folks reached out specifically about that particular topic to me. To, is this just, is it going to be a football thing? Are they going to commit to football, or is it simply this is a basketball school? And football is an afterthought. And my answer to that was Dr. Nolan restarted football. He did not restart football for it to flounder, go away, whatever. There was 26 million reasons for the stadium being built on yep. campus. There was more resources put into the field with the name of the field recently. So for anybody to think that, A, this is just, uh, we're just basketball, we don't care about anything else, I think is ludicrous. And two, I think Dr. Nolan has, has kind of been, and I've not talked to Dr. Nolan about that. He sat in front of me in church uh, on Sunday and I loved it because four or five people were like, hey, who's going to be the head coach? Who we lean towards? I was like, hey, there's a guy literally sitting three seats in front of me and to my right. His name's Dr. Nolan. If you'd like to tap him on the shoulder and ask, he knows more than I do. So ask him. But in the same token, there is no doubt that when Dr. Nolan restarted football, he knew that was going to come with the naysayers that thinks football should be away, that shouldn't have come back, it eats up everything. And so I think there's enough pride in Dr. Nolan that 
even though he grew up a monster basketball, he still plays pickup basketball. Like he does. He, loves he plays pickup basketball on Sunday. The yeah. sport of basketball is what he loves. Or he has like a, it's like a rec league something, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's played in the past intramurals with fraternities. That's asking him to play with it. So, I mean, he still plays pickup. So, he loves the sport. But to think that just because he loves the sport and is all in on basketball, that he's not bested in the football is ludicrous and crazy. And whoever and, – and, and that was out there. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because there were legitimate coaches – that were like, hey, I don't know about this because of this, and I could not have thumped the drum to say, you relay this back. I'm not even going to call him. I can answer this for you. There's no doubt when they restarted football, it wasn't to in 20 years to disband the program and have a big eyesore across campus. Yep. It was to be a successful football program. I would I would even go one step further. I say, you go to tailgating, and you see all the signage, you see um, – atmosphere that, that people at ETSU have worked really hard to create. I mean, we're out there doing a show three hours before kickoff. We're not doing that to just sit there and talk to ourselves. We, we as an institution, and I think this is something that, that Nolan recognizes, I think it's something that Sander recognizes, we as an institution do too much for this team to languish. We do too much around it for this team to languish. There is too much riding on the success of the football program in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of binding the university community together with enthusiasm, with a rallying point. Uh, There's too much that our community partners expect from the football program for it to languish in irrelevance. This is a program that needs a spark. It's a program that needs a way forward. It's a program that needs a clear vision. And I think going out and acquiring another FCS program's current head coach is as clear of a signal of intent from ETSU's administration, from ETSU as a university, that they understand that and that this program is not something that they are just going to say, well, it's back. And the money should roll, and everything else is just going to take care of itself. They are going to be active. They are going to be um, intentional about making this program not just a program that's there, but a program that's competitive, a program that's relevant every year, a program that even if it doesn't necessarily, and we'll, we'll put a pin in this, but even if it's not necessarily a SOCON title contender every year, is a program that's at least in the hunt for a spot in the FCS playoffs. And I think that's about to get a little bit easier, but we'll talk about that, like I said. Um, There is clearly an intent from the university to make this program good because they recognize that there's simply too much at stake for it not to be. So let's dive in, because I was a diatribe. I was going to get on that hill first. Now let's talk about trailing. One, I don't see a lot of folks, when you make a hire, that across the people that follow the sport, not fans, but people that really follow and understand the sport, have all come in and said, wow, what a hire. And I know fan bases will go at it, and, and, and I know even the ETSU's fans will debate, was this good, was this bad? And same thing they did with Randy Sanders. And people forget, but there were plenty of Tennessee fans that sent me messages like, oh, man, you know, 
mean, I remember what he did at Tennessee and why they fired him and ran him out of town and what it was going to do for you. And then all of a sudden those same people are like, greatest coach of all time. I mean, so it's just amazing how it goes, right? So there were people not on board with Randy Sanders, they, and, they, and I've got receipts if people want to check, and I'll be glad to call those folks out if they call me a liar. That being said, there are some fans that didn't like it. There's this because you look at record, do whatever. But people that follow the sport that certainly pay attention to it, have a national outlet or a regional outlet for it, have all loved the hire. Interesting for me, you look at the three previous hires since football came back. Carl Torbush retired from it. Randy Sanders retired from it. Um, and then George Corls is mid to late 50s. Now you have a guy that is younger than Keith. Everybody's pretty much younger. No, now. he's not. Is, is he, he not younger? No, he's. Uh, I believe he's 34. Where do you? I uh, I turned 34 in January. Oh my yeah. goodness! So, he, uh, the cut. so he's got you he's by a couple like, months. He's like four months older than I am. All right. So Trey is your elder by four months. I was close. But I, I, honestly, I thought you were 35. So you know, I don't know what your birthday is. You know, doesn't matter. <laughs> I, you know what? We, I we don't send cards to each other. It doesn't matter. I don't. I can't. You know, when you've been doing this 23 years, I can't tell you hardly anybody's age. But. Um, I'm just glad you don't, like, cycle through our names, like, the names of kids. Like, yeah, now, Brandon, uh, uh, Jessica, uh, John, uh, cat or whatever, Corey, right? or sure. Keith, yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, my gosh, let's call you Callie. I could call you Corey. That kind of worked out. Now, in fairness, they dated, and I would get them confused. They're married. They dating, yeah. And they're married now. i got kids and all that. But I would get, I would yell at her and call her Corey and call her Callie, and he would really get fired up on it, which I get, but... And their name when they're close. That's who, actually who marry somebody yeah. with that close of a name. All right, that's whatever. actually kind of funny. So, anyway, young guy, and it, I think it's a different type of energy. And yes. I'm not saying that because Randy Sanders had energy, and if you were out of practice, George could bring it. I'm just saying it's a different type of energy, and it's just a different feel. You look at Coach Ford when he came; he was already in his 50s. Now you look at Brooke Savage; I think he said he was 38 last night. So yes. you look at some of the younger, it's just a different feel, and I'm kind of curious um, if we get Dr. Sander, and I'm sure we will, and I said I promise you we'll do an Inside the Dome, you ask all the questions, and we'll do whatever, but I want to ask him because the names I heard, and I'm not going to say because they're not confirmed, Dr. Sander was not on campus. He did a lot of this stuff away from campus, so he could get some stuff done. Then they brought Coach Lamb over on Sunday. Yes. Deal was done. Boom. And I know this about Dr. Sander, and he has said this before on this podcast. If I like a guy, Dr. Nolan likes a guy, we're not going to wait. We're going to make the hire. We're not going to interview 40 people when we interview 40 people. If we identify several people, and you know, and they didn't just interview Trey Lamb. I know for a fact they interviewed more. And I'm not going to say anything because, I, I, A, some people don't want to know, and I respect the privacy of feelers. Just like if I want to send a feeler, hey, I'm curious about this. Well, maybe I'm not really interested in it. I just send a feeler out, right? So I'm not going to put somebody uh, in that barrel. But I will have Dr. Sander, who we can talk about, say he's going to talk about. But I want to know who it is. But I get a feeling from the names I heard that there was a feel for a youthful movement for this head coach. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't interview anybody who's in their 50s or 60s. But it felt like to me, Keith, from the names I'm hearing, and you got you got different resources than I do and the names that you probably heard. The one common theme I got out of that was they were going to go a little bit of a younger generation head coach this go around. I think they wanted youth and they wanted energy and they wanted passion. And based on the people that I heard, 
based on the people that reached out. Uh, some of the people, I don't, I don't know how far some of them got in the process, but I know there were some people that reached out that would fit that bill. C- correct. And, and are probably going to pop up in other coaching searches around the country this cycle or next cycle. There was one guy in particular that, um, you know, if Trey Lamb had not been the guy, I would have been really fired up about. And I think he is already on some FBS radars um, as a very, very successful head coach, still very young in his head coaching tenure, but. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but like, there are people that were in in on this, and people are like, how do you do a national search in, in a, a week? Well, they didn't have to go very far. People called us. Like, there there was a ton of outreach. I I don't know how many phone calls you people people were were so desperate they were calling the ticket office to try to get in on this thing. Um, like, there was an enormous interest in ETSU, and ETSU did not have to, um, you know, fire up the search committees or go out of its way to collect a bunch of information. Like, this is not, this was not that kind of search. Like, they were able to pick and choose very quickly because the interest from people was very quick to arrive when this became an opportunity that was available on last Sunday afternoon. Um, so they didn't have to go very far. Interviews were pretty much, I think, all day Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think there were some on Friday as well. Um, so, I mean, how many interviews can you squeeze into that time period? Probably, what, four? If you wanted to do 40. Right, do 40 I, I know they had, Tuesday started it. They went pretty much all day Wednesday, and they had some on Friday. I don't know how long, but I know they had some on Friday. And they had identified out of that, and I'm just making up, let's say they're seven or eight. Yeah. I'm totally making that number up. But they talked to seven or eight, hour, hour and a half, two-hour interviews, whatever they are. Do that. And I knew that they had identified a couple of folks. And it seems like to me choice A was Coach Lamb because they did that Friday. To my knowledge, most of the coaches they talked to were playing on Saturday. So couldn't have anybody on Saturday. Correct. The first guy they brought in was Sunday. And you get a deal done Monday. So it sounds like to me that uh, number one out of the uh, pool was who they identified they want, and they got it. And this is one of those deals where people are like, oh, well, you could have waited and did this. Other. Well, here's here's the problem with the waiting game. All right, for Coach Lamb, great example. Tennessee Tech has a job open. He was the prodigal son. Yeah, he won the 2011 OVC title as a quarterback at Tennessee Tech. I still think, is that the last time they were in the playoffs? The only time uh, I'm trying to remember. I believe so. It might yes. be the only time. What's the last time? It might be the only time they have been in the playoffs. I believe it is. So, the prodigal son wouldn't shock me if they threw everything they had at him. Um, so, you're already kind of battling that. Then, you know, now Middle Tennessee's open. Some other jobs have opened up FBS. Now, I'm not saying Coach Lowe was guaranteed to get an FBS job, but there's also somebody is going to get that that could cause a trickle-down, and next thing you know, what if this job isn't as attractive? But for the jobs that were open at the time, there was no shortage 100%. of people calling about the job. Yes. And when you call the ticket office, when you call me, or you have agents get a hold of me, there were agents that knew Austin Parent who then would call me to say, hey, how do I get this information? Like I do with recruiting or whoever else. You give me information, I'll get in the hands of the right person, and that's all I tell them. I say, yes, 100%. I will do this. I'm not guaranteeing you they'll call them. 
uh, if it's a kid being scouted that the mom and dad or cousin or nephew or somebody or just random, hey, I want a scholarship, hey, I will hand this off, and people are going to do what they want. Yep. And so there were no shortage. When I was in Cleveland, was probably the best place for me to be because my phone was just ringing off the hook trying to get point A to B or let people know, like, hey, here's how to do it or information about the job. And, and, and just to let you know, not just football related. I took several volleyball calls, too. I mean, this is kind of how this works, okay? So this is a situation that when basketball happened, and I'm not trying to drudge it up, but if we go to the kneeling thing, everybody's like, well, he's going to be the head coach. If I literally gave Dr. Sander, who has protected a lot of names, and he gave a lot of names, the amount of people that called, there's not that many jobs out there, okay? And when you start looking at other jobs and you look at facilities, okay, you get a brand-new-ish facility. They just did the name in the field. You look at what league you're in and resources. Yeah. And if you still don't think the league matters, listen to Trey Lamb. And Trey knows, Coach Lamb knows better than anybody because he leans on his uncle a lot, Bobby Lamb, played at Furman. He's a Furman head coach forever, it seems like. Started, started the started program at Mercer. Marshall. Mercer. Marshall. Listen to me. Mercer. And he started another program at Anderson. Yes. I mean, but that, that the Lamb family's been around forever, and I thought it was just his dad, but he went to his grandfather last night and talked about all that, and the interviews out there on exit. Folks have cut it out. I think the, the new uh, uh, Trey Lamb uh, uh, parody account has got it out there. I think it's the Trey Lamb stand account. There we go. Or whatever so, it is. Right. So there was no shortage of this, but I think ETSU was looking for two things. One, youth, and I think the other thing, Keith, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the coaches I heard – Offensive guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, by and large. So there, there were a couple guys that had some defensive background, but yeah, there was it was largely offensive back. Right. So that's going to be where they were like, they want offense and they want you. That's what I took out of most of the fa- folks' names I had heard. Okay. So I think that's there. Now the biggest question and the pieces for Coach Lamb is. Gotta get staff together. My yep. guess is he's gonna bring the majority of guys with him. I don't know that. Again, I've talked to him um, six minutes on the phone during a coaching show. Mm-hmm. So um, I text with him real briefly just to get the time when he told me that. Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, Ron Johnson said, "Hey, coach said he would love to do, uh, lack of a better word, as we use in the business, a drive-by, just a random call, <laughs> do the deal." I know it's not exactly normally. Normally, that is a term for when when somebody lies to the. Uh, screener and then goes rogue and then tries Yes, which to, has happened to me. Right, which they curse or they do whatever, or they just randomly do whatever. Yes, you've been the screener before. I've been the screener and, and somebody lied to me at Florida State and uh, asked Jimbo Fisher when he was going to take the LSU job. So, you know, and then they hang up or, or they do whatever. I, my favorite uh, was listening to um, uh, Mike Munchik and he was oh, no. he was with uh, uh, Mike Keith and the, the guy asked, said, hey, if Pac-Man Jones the other guy are, are both in a car who's driving and of course Mike Munchak's you know him and a hall and he's like ah you know Pac-Man's got an expensive car probably Pac-Man the guy goes trick question is the police and he hung up on him and off the, and, oh. and, and Coach Munchak didn't even get the joke like he's just like I don't, I don't know what's he talking about like, and I'm like oh so that's normally a drop by you come in you do that you hang up you go but for Coach Lamb it was hey this isn't really a scheduled thing I'm going to call in and I just want to say hi to Buck Nation get them fired up, and it was only going to be a 30-second thing, and then me, you know, being more of a media guy than, than a fan. Yeah, you turned so it into an interview. You dang all right I did. 
And I, I got three, four questions in, and I was like, all right, I'm going to let them go. But it was supposed to be just, hey, Buck Nation, I'm here, I'm fired up, we'll see you on Wednesday. And then I took I was disappointed chance. that Brooks didn't ask a question. I asked him if he wanted to, and originally he was going to yeah. because when I told him this was going to happen, but I guess he ended up calling uh, Coach Lamb, and they actually talked on the phone for 20 minutes. So oh, okay. at that point, I, I don't know if that was there. Well, that's all the better opportunity to have a little fun with the guy you've established a rapport. Yeah, I got, and Brooks I got is great. absolutely the kind of guy that would have fun with a with a fellow coach like that. It's just like a little good natured question, a little fun, a little funny. Well, if you think about it, on the coaches show, it's funny. We've got a, a sophomore, and I'm calling Brooks the redshirt freshman, and then we'll have a freshman if you look at the roster that way. We're mocking her second year. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks not even through his first year before we get another first year. So it's uh, we got to break in a lot of coaches. Well, Brooks is a returning student. Because, I mean, he was here. He's, he's seen See, grad this. transfer, the equivalent, that what you're telling me? I guess a return, just returning student, yeah. Well, we're all, I'm a returning student, technically. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, so, uh, coaching staff, how do I know? We'll, Man, we'll, so we'll have to up. figure that uh, out. Like got that, coaching staff. Got that's going to take probably a couple of weeks, I would imagine, to get it all nailed down. And then, well, well let me ask you this. He's got to do two off the bat. One, he's got to get a staff together. Yes. Two, he has to recruit the current players. Mm-hmm. That's probably one and one A. I don't know how he would word it, but I think that's got to be one and one A. I think if given his background and given the enthusiasm that we've already seen and heard from him and what we know he can bring because we've seen him coach on the sidelines of Gardner-Webb because we watch games, other teams' games, um, this is a guy who I think is going to win over a lot of these returning players very quickly. They're like, hey, we love this place. We want to see it shine. This guy is the guy that wants to turn it around. Let's let's be the crew that, that stops the leak. Let's stop the bleeding and, and, and get this thing turned around and get it back to where we know it can be. Um, I, honestly, I think that could be a pretty straightforward process for him. Um, and recruiting staff. I think there are some staff members that because that, I do not think that this is a situation where you just you know dump the whole staff. This is not a clean house situation. I think there's some coaching talent uh, that is going to remain here, and that uh, that happens more often than you think. I, I think about you know at North Dakota State when they made a change in women's basketball, they held over a staff member from the previous staff, uh, Morgan Page. Marcus's sister was a thousand point scorer at Wisconsin, and she turned out to be uh, probably the, like she was kind of the top assistant. Like she was the recruiting coordinator, and she held that team together during a rough patch when she was kind of the interim for a few weeks. Um, they kept her on, and uh, clear that she needed to be part of the staff. And now she's the, I think she might be the top assistant in Kansas. So it worked out pretty nicely. You identify coaches that have that talent and that ability to continue to grow inside of a program, and you keep those coaches, and I think there are several of those here, um, and there are several coaches that I, I think could remain. There, there will obviously probably be a handful that come with him, um, but and I'd be curious we'll, we'll because out. good example, <coughs> excuse me, Jamie Chadwell, his first three or four moves, he took everybody. And if you're on the staff, you're rode with him, rider down for the sure. Start, he took everybody. So there is situations where you can just bring everybody. And there are situations where some of those coaches may want to go somewhere else. Yes. Or may want to do it, you know, how, you know, because they may be, you know, fine. They're so, uh, you know, mix out uh, uh, SoCon 
but maybe, hey, I got a chance to go to the Sun Belt and be a position coach or, or FP. You know what I mean? So you For don't sure. know other situations. And I think nothing is relationship with players. Probably the women's basketball is a good example. My mm-hmm. guess is the team um, and t- maybe the head coach talked to the team and said another. They kept talking about the assistant coach. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Great rapport with the players. You got whatever. Yeah. Boom, we're going to – you never know how all of that kind of plays into it. Um, wouldn't shock me if there's some holdovers, but I've also been around enough to know that if he brought everybody with him or retained nobody, that that's kind of kind of the business, sir. It is. I would be shocked. That doesn't mean it's not a possibility, but I agree. Uh, I mean, you know, there are some young coaches, too, that I think, you know, you'd be interested in keeping, especially to match the energy. But, again, Coach Lamb's going to do that. We'll break that down. We'll talk. We'll try to bring like we did um, with the new hires on the coaching staff this past football season. We brought all the coaches in. We interviewed them. We'll get, try to get to know them. We'll do the same thing as time permits with that. Then you try to re-recruit, right, your team. Yep. Then it is full-on recruiting. And then it'll be curious to see. And, you know, to be honest, in today's world, there's probably going to be one or two players that follow him from one school to another. That is possible. And, and I, I do love the fact that um, he – and we obviously can't talk about specific players, but I, I love that he had the job for less than six hours and he already had an offer out to a prospect. And it's a D-tackle because they got fired up boys about that. How fired up were you about that? Well, we've been hurting D-tackles. Oh, we bring it up when fired up. This is me being fired up when I've only had two cups of coffee instead of the whole pot. You drink that whole pot every day? I do. I got problems. Yeah, uh, that's that. Explains. Well, that's the least of my problems. I got more problems. I was gonna say that, that explains your breath about eleven thirty. Like you need you need to go down that's to right. the corner store and get some breath savers. Yeah. Yeah. Gets, gets you just a little some little palate cleanser, right? Mm-hmm. I've al- I've always heard, obviously mint is popular, but ginger, also very good for that. What about the the, is it ginger that the, in the sushi box? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get you some, some sushi and get, get, get the ginger. Just eat the ginger, though. The ginger. And the ginger is like the leafy thing. It's not the green ball. Don't eat that. Hey, I'm a big spice guy. I love wasabi. But no, I would not eat these. I would not just, like, eat it. the entire glob of wasabi. Pistachio ice cream, you're saying you're not going to eat the pistachio ice cream. I am not <laughs> going to eat the pistachio ice cream in the sushi box. Might have been. Um, all right. I, we, we've talked about football. I want to continue to talk about football. Okay. Um, I want to talk about because FCS, big FCS news yesterday. We had big, obviously, ETSU news with uh, ETSU getting an Eddie Robinson Award finalist. Trey Lamb is a two-time Eddie Robinson Award finalist for National Coach of the Year. I think that speaks volumes for how well he's respected around the country. Um, but also – we got reports yesterday, Pete Thamel of ESPN and others, Brett McMurphy I think had it, uh, a, couple, a couple other national reporters, that Delaware is making the move long speculated to FBS. They're going up. They are not going to the MAC, which was the popular destination for them. They are going to Conference USA, and they will be a full member for the 2025-26 season, according to multiple reports. This is something that had been in the works for a little bit. Delaware was unhappy. It was clear from multiple angles, fans, alumni, 
they were not happy with the state of things in the Coastal Athletic Association, formerly the Colonial Athletic Association. They were getting ready to make a move, and they have made that move, and it's another legacy brand at the FCS level, along with James Madison. I would throw Sam Houston in there as a team that, that was typically kind of penciled in to make deep playoff runs. And 10 years ago, you know, we lost App, we lost Georgia Southern as a, as a subdivision. We lost Coastal Carolina, which was a team that was pretty good. Uh, we lost Jacksonville State, which was a team that made a run to Frisco in uh, the 2015 season. Those are programs that added value we to lost Jacksonville State. I said, I just literally, I, yeah, I literally just said Jacksonville State. I was writing State. down teams. Yeah. Um, smelling my breath. It's fine. Yes. Uh, well, at least that's not the worst thing of your own that you can smell. Um, that's uh, when I look at you know the landscape. It's been pretty pretty roughed up by realignment, particularly outside of the Midwest and the Northwest. Uh, realignment has taken a toll on this part of the country in particular when it comes to the state and the landscape of FCS football. A lot of your traditional powers are gone, and that diminishes the prestige, but it also creates a power vacuum that you have an opportunity to fill. And I look at the CAA, and Matt Brown at Extra Points has suggested that the CAA is not targeting schools that would just make you go, wow, holy cow, that their primary target is at probably Fairfield, and that their second tar- like their best football playing target right now is Merrimack, and those would not move the needle for me and I think there are a number of schools that w- it wouldn't move the needle for in the CAA. There would be people that are pretty upset if the conference continues to just expand for the sake of expansion. I've beaten the drum as long as I can for the SoCon Conference. I do not think the SoCon expanding would be expansion for its own sake. I, I really wish they would have gone through because it got down downhill enough that national folks finally picked up on it with the schools. Let me go back to this since I'm not going to bring up, but there were CA schools that were looking, you know, uh, more than Southern schools to kind of get back into it. We have been saying they need a few more teams. I would personally like to at least see three football teams and then add a basketball. So you add four all together. You get four-team basketball, the men. But again, biggest thing for that is on the women's side and women's sports, okay? And I know we're all fixated on football and men's basketball, but for the softballs, the women's soccer, the basketball, the volleyballs, really women's basketball. Men's soccer as well. I mean, that's a a six-team championship, so that's like the bare minimum. So I really, really think, A, three football, you get to 12 teams. That's a pretty good number. You can figure out a schedule. You can rotate it fairly well and, and figure it out. And then for 14 men's basketball, you can go a little bit divisions, you know, so you, you know, play one division twice, another one once, whatever. And the reason for that, again, is because all these power conferences are going to start eliminating more of these non-conference games. Correct. And so it's going to be tougher for leagues to get non-conference games, so you might as well add some league games, which teams are trying to do. So, for women's sports, for a little bit more um, security and guaranteed home games for basketball,
basketballs, I think that is it. And for women's sports, I think it only makes sense. But I think the Southern Conference has been so locked in to this. We need nine teams. We've got to have a perfect eight-game schedule for Everybody all plays everybody. There's a true champion in which we have the, three game, the three-way tie all the time. And you got to try to figure it out because of who beat who and when and where they are. Right. That being said, if you want more teams in the playoffs, you want to make more nationals, like you want to get your conference on a national stage more like it used to be, mm-hmm. I think it's very important to go ahead and add in football. And I think you could make a strong argument. You could make the basketball conference a lot stronger. You could pick several CAA teams, and no offense to the academies, but they're going to be already better than the academies. And you are already going to um, get a higher net RPI, all the other things that come with that from playing some of those games. And, again, for the women who struggle to yes. get, because they've got to get more non-conference games than almost any conference in America, they are able to get more games and get more competitive and raise that profile that way. Now, I will say the, the CAA is an example of what expansion for its own sake does. Uh, the CAA went to 16 in football, and they went to 14 in their other sports, and everybody hated it. Uh, you need to be on the same page about what your priorities are, who's doing what, um, and, and what kind of school you are adding to the conference. It needs to be in alignment with the existing institutions, or you just create churn. And that's what the SOCON has been good at avoiding, but it's also not been very good at expanding. You all right there, bud? Yeah, I'm good. I, yeah. Anyway, um, great to know you're engaged. If I am the SOCON and I am looking at the southern band of the CAA, I think there are a lot of schools that would be very, very good institutional fits in the conference, including one that's already been in this conference once. Um and including one that is a non-football school. And they are not the same school, if that lets you piece all those puzzles together. Um, I You're look a big at fan that, of the non-football school. I, know that. I, I look at I, – I am, actually. Yes, I know. Um, I look at that layout. And I also look at the rest of the CAA. I mean, you know, there, there are schools that are kicking tires on the Patriot League that are looking at, hey – this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't the same conference anymore. What are our other options? Everybody is starting to th- – th- there could be, over the next four months, more departures from the CAA. I would expect the SOCON to have something to do with that. The Patriot League could have something to do with that. Maybe you have a school like Stony Brook that came here from America East that says, hey, this isn't what we signed up for. We're going back. And – I think I think there's a possibility that this could unravel very quickly after the CAA tried to get aggressive. Kind of like the WAC did. Remember when the WAC went to 16 teams and it came apart and we got the Mountain West out of it? The Mountain West is now arguably the best group of five now. Uh, that, and they stole the best eight teams from the WAC, too. Which yes, bad. they did. Yes, they did. So I, I think this is a, a conference that's going to have some, some – it's going to have a tough time holding itself together, certainly as – uh, a, a conference that is of the caliber that it used to be. That represents opportunity for the SOCON because right now realignment in many ways at this level is zero sum. If you take schools from another power conference, 
at this level, and I'm calling the CAA Power Conference in FCS football because there are four conferences that are represented in the Final 16. So you take schools from another conference that's well-regarded at a high level, that benefits you. And it, it puts you ahead of them in the estimation of people around the country. And it positively impacts your ability to get more teams into the playoffs. We got three in this year as a league. We probably should not have. But one of the, the team that I didn't think was going to get in was the team that moved on. They beat Austin P. Um, I didn't think Chattanooga was going to get in. I didn't think Western Carolina should have gotten in, and they weren't considered. So, um, you know, the SOCON, there was a path for them to get four this year. Western Carolina lost to me in my last game of the season, and that closed that door. Um, this is an opportunity for the SOCON, and I go back to what Michael Cross said at SOCON Media Day in Greenville back in early August. That or maybe it was late July. I don't remember. The best opportunity for a SOCON school to win a national championship is in FCS football. And if you look at the landscape of FCS football, the best conferences play unbalanced schedules. The SOCON does not. And it hurt the SOCON this year. Um, It hurt the SOCON because you didn't have teams that stacked up the requisite number of of Division I wins to get serious consideration from the playoff committee. Or they had a catastrophic loss that they didn't have the ability to overcome. And, and it becomes, like you, if you take away the zero sum within your own conference by taking schools from another power conference, your conference is going to get stronger. That's what the SOCON needs to do when it comes to FCS football. Basketball, men's basketball, yeah, scheduling, you know, expanding, because expanding the schedule, the conference schedule to 22 games would probably be great. I think going to 24 would be a little aggressive. But it is getting tougher to get power conference home games. And there are going to be fewer and fewer of them as they try to play more and more games against each other on neutral floors because um, they, they just want the dollar. They want the money. They don't care about atmosphere. They don't care about competition. They're not interested in competition unless competition comes with a, a, a check attached. So you're going to have a tougher time getting those games. And then you talked about the scheduling stress, which I've talked about before. We both talked about before with softball, women's basketball, volleyball, uh, men's soccer, those sports are really hard up for a a number of games that makes their lives a lot easier. And having eight schools here and seven members here and six members here in this sport, that sport, that just makes life harder for everybody. And if you can do more to alleviate that stress, it's going to make for a better happier, a fitter, happier, more productive Southern Conference in the long run. So big advocate for expansion. I think there are schools that are unhappy. I think there are schools that are unhappy that are not looking at the next level that could potentially benefit the Southern Conference. I hope that we just don't get our hopes up again. And that's what happened last time. My hopes have been up the whole time. My hopes have been up. And, And I mean, when we got downhill and I, with a couple of media folks, got tipped off and then got some confirmation um, from a couple of former, one was a former Southern Conference employee and one was a former AD that 
basically they had charts like, hey, could you round these people up without, you know, the conference everybody being involved? And they got all the people at the table and got several, several things. And then when national media was like, yes, this is legit, it has gone. And I thought, okay, we're going as a league to expand. This is great. And then all of a sudden it just kind of just died. I mean, it was just quickly. And so I'm trying not to get that fired up because it was to the point where I thought we're going to get to the finish line. This is going to be great for the league, and then it didn't. So I'm hoping that those doors open back up, conversations are going again, and we can finally get, get even if they had two, I'd be happy with two. I would love four I would, I would love to go to 12, and there are opportunities to add football-only schools that would maybe, you know, get you to um, to 12 instead of 11 by adding two. You add two full members and then one football. Yeah, football affiliate or whatever. Yeah. Good example. Basketball league. They're not going to leave the A10. There's no there's way. Too, there's too much riding on the A10. That's their sport. Too much money. They're just, they're just not. But that is a for higher school, you might be able to get. There's others out there too that you could look at and I'm not going to talk about. But that'll be fun. We'll, we'll, we'll speculate that. Um, Keep an eye on it. You know, I, I know there's hoops and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we'll have a recap of App State and a uh, preview of women's basketball against Lipscomb, a series that has been. Overwhelmingly in the Bucks. Favoring, favoring the Bucks, nineteen and two against the Bisons. Do you know how hard that's going to be for me? The Bisons. Because plural. It's yeah. That's yeah. That's the main thing. Is they they put the they put the s on the end. The s is not correct, by the way. The plural of bison is bison. It's like deer. Well, maybe they're just one. Maybe they're just one. They're, just they're, one. they're they're one bison. And one team, one bison. The strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength Something of the bison like is the herd. God, I, I am irritating so many North Dakota State people. Sorry. All right, we had to get that off our chest. It's not an emergency pod, but no, uh, that would have been yesterday. We thought about that. You don't. You're not a big fan of the emergency pod. No, I'm too emotional. I, need, I, need I think it would be good if we were emotional. Just ran around the studio with our hair on fire, screaming with joy. Because we were both fired up about Trey Lamb. And continue to be. Yes. Uh, from Sunday night on, I was like, is this really going to happen? Are we going to do it this quick? Are we going to get the guy? And then very quickly, Monday, the answer was yes. And we were pretty pumped. Yes. I had to contain myself. And I, I think I did a very good job. But three, I had to contain myself. Three weeks ago, you said, enough. Last week, you told me how fair that Maybe. So I got to get going. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Go in, you hawk.